Hello and welcome. You are listening to Embodied Curiosity. In this show, we will explore self-compassion and holistic health through the lens of embodiment, intuition, nature connection, and neuroscience. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm so excited for you to join me. Hey, welcome back. I have been rereading one of my favorite books, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. This book has been so impactful in my life, and I wanted to share my thoughts and insights as I read through each chapter. This is set up sort of like a virtual book group, so feel free to get a copy of the book and follow along with me. I also uploaded video versions of these episodes on my YouTube channel. You can find my channel by just searching my name, Michaela Rands, or you can click the link in the description. I hope you gain some insights as I share my process with the stories in this powerful little book. Hey, welcome back. Today I'm going to be talking about chapter three in Women Who Run With The Wolves. The name of the chapter is Nosing Out The Facts, The Retrieval Of Intuition As Initiation. This is part of a longer series of videos that I'm making on every chapter in this book. So feel free to pick up a copy of the book and follow along. I'm not really going to be doing a great like summary of the chapters as much as just my insights and reactions to the aspects of the chapters. If you want to get all the details and really get the most out of this, I recommend reading the chapters along with me. So this is chapter three. This is one of my favorite chapters. I just go back to it time and time again because I love the topic of intuition. I just feel like it's such an important part of my journey is like trying to rediscover my intuition, um, trying to figure out how I lost it in the first place. Yeah, it's really important to me to be in touch with my intuition and to have a sense of that inner voice that guides me in difficult decisions and just daily decisions. I wanna start with a quote, it's the very first section of this chapter. It says, intuition is the treasure of a woman's psyche. It is like the divining instrument and like a crystal through which one can see with uncanny interior vision. It is like a wise old woman who is always with you, who tells you exactly what the matter is, tells you exactly whether you need to go left or right, It is a form of the one who knows. So that is just a good introduction of how the story describes intuition. And it uses many different archetypes to sort of represent different aspects of the intuition. The story in this chapter is called Vasilisa the Wise. And it also includes another really famous character, Baba Yaga. So the story goes that Vasilisa's mother on her deathbed is dying and she gives Vasilisa the gift of a doll. And after the mother dies, many years go by and the father remarries. And he marries a woman who has two kids and the stepmother and the stepsisters actually turn out to be pretty evil. And they torment Vasilisa. They make her wait on them and they put her down and they're really pretty cruel. Um, At some point in the story, they try to get rid of her by sending her off into the woods in the dark to go retrieve some light from Baba Yaga's cabin. And Baba Yaga is known as this scary creature in the woods who is a witch and 
they're certain that Babiaga will kill Vasilisa. So they send her, thinking that they're sending her to her death. So Vasilisa goes out into the woods. She luckily has her doll with her, and the doll helps guide her to Baba Yaga's cabin. When at Baba Yaga's cabin, she is given a bunch of tasks by Baba Yaga, and she is able to complete them with the help of her doll. And eventually, she comes home with the light for her stepmother and stepsisters. And by the end of the story, she has retrieved her intuition. So the way that she describes this process of initiation into intuition is through nine different tasks and I'm so glad she spelled it out this way it's literally just nine steps to retrieving your intuition so if you're someone like me who has lost touch with your intuition for whatever reason these are the steps you can go through and if maybe you've gone through some of them but you haven't completed the initiation you can finish this process by going through these nine steps so the first task is allowing the too good mother to die and that one I think a lot of people get stuck on it's sort of that idea of when you're young you have this part of your psyche that protects you it could be your actual mother or it could just be a part of yourself that feels a little bit cautious about the world and extra safe Um, this part of you is the part that might tell you to conform to others because you don't want to be made fun of Um, it obviously will tell you to be safe the too good, too nice mother, it's sort of like the people pleaser of the psyche. And if we are not able to let this part of us go, it's gonna be really, really difficult to find our intuition. So the first task is to let the too good mother die. And in the story, her mother dies. Um, But the good news is she doesn't die all the way. She leaves a part of her with Vasilisa, which is represented by the doll. You allow the too good mother to die while still holding on to the intuition. The second task is exposing the crude shadow. And this is where in the story, the dad marries uh, the woman with the two daughters and the stepmom and the stepsisters represent the shadow aspects of the psyche. They are jealous and exclusionary and they put her down. And these are the parts of the psyche that sort of wreak havoc if they're left unchecked. So that second task is just exposing them, becoming aware, becoming aware of the shadow by letting that that too nice, too good mother die. You start to see these parts of yourself that also exist, the parts that judge, the parts that insult. Um, These are the shadow aspects of the psyche represented by the stepmother and the stepsisters. The third task in retrieving your intuition is navigating in the dark. During this task, this is when Vasilisa is going off into the woods to look for Baba Yaga's cabin. And luckily she has her doll and she does ask her doll where to go. So this is part of navigating in the dark, practicing using your intuition and asking it which way to go. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I eat this? Do I eat that? Do I say yes? Do I say no? These are ways that you're using your intuition. And she talks about how she feeds the doll. She gives her little pieces of food. And this symbolizes feeding your intuition. And the way to feed your intuition, she says, is by listening to it and acting on it. So it can be a little day-to-day thing, like what should I eat for breakfast? What should I wear today? These are little decisions you can make every day while first consulting your intuition. And as you practice to use your intuition in these little ways, it'll help strengthen that intuition muscle so that when you 
get to bigger decisions like life partners and friendships and careers, these decisions will feel easier because you've strengthened that intuition muscle. So in the third task, you're just starting to be aware of your intuition. You're asking it for guidance in different decisions that you have to make and you're listening and taking action. The fourth task is facing the wild hag. And this is when she gets to Baba Yaga's house. So Baba Yaga is a very scary sounding character at first. She's a witch, she's old, she's grumpy. (laughs) And facing her is basically symbolic for facing one's own inner power. In this section, she talks about women's power as being something that men are afraid of, but also women are afraid of. And the wild hag or Baba Yaga just really represents this large power. And in the story, Vasilisa is able to stand her ground and not be afraid, not cower, not waver, but also not try and please this great power. So the task here is to stand your ground in the face of the great power, of your great power. The fifth task is serving the non-rational. At this point in the story, Baba Yaga actually has her do a bunch of tasks. So she has to do a bunch of chores. She has to clean and wash all of her clothes. She has to sweep the whole cabin. And then she has to cook a big feast for Baba Yaga. At first, it seems like way too much to do, but the doll reassures her that it will be done. And as Vasilisa sleeps, the doll does all of that work. That work the cleaning, the laundry, the sweeping, the cooking, those all represent different ways of purifying the soul life. That can look like coming back to yourself, spending time in nature, spending time in solitude, meditation. These are all ways that you can cleanse and purify the soul life so that you can have more clarity in what you want and in how to use your intuition. The cooking in particular represents cooking of ideas and giving fire and energy to inspirations. So these are all a really important part of strengthening your intuition. The sixth task is separating this from that. So at this point, she has her do even more chores and one of the chores is to separate corn from mildewed corn and poppy seeds from dirt which seems like an almost impossible task. But again, she goes to sleep, the doll reassures her everything will be done, and the doll does all of the sorting while she's asleep. And this really represents a cool aspect of the psyche, which is that you don't have to do all the work. Sometimes a lot of that work is happening behind the scenes in the unconscious, especially when you dream. Uh, We all know the feeling of having a really big decision to make or some problem we're trying to solve and we're thinking about it and worrying about it and then we sleep and the next morning we have so much clarity and maybe even an answer to this question. So that is really what's happening in this story when the doll is sorting the poppy seeds and sorting the corn is that the doll is making sense of these puzzles and doing it in the unconscious and that's what the psyche is really good at doing. The seventh task is asking the mysteries. So once Vasilisa has done all these chores, she asks about the horseman that she saw in the woods and Baba Yaga answers. But then when she's about to ask more questions, the doll stops her. And so this is the intuition's knowing that sometimes more knowledge isn't better. And sometimes knowledge comes to you in time. And it's good to know when enough is enough in terms of seeking of knowledge. 
So that's what this task is about. The eighth task is standing on all fours. And at this point, she has let the too good mother die. She has faced the wild hag. She has sorted all that needs to be sorted. And now Baba Yaga gives her the fire to bring back to her family. The fire is in a fiery skull that she holds on a stick. And she's to carry the stick through the forest back to her home. This fiery skull represents the ancestors or an ancestor. And with the fiery skull representing the ancestors, the doll representing the intuition, and Baba Yaga representing the wild woman archetype, these are all going to be helpful in her journey back to discernment and into following her intuition. The ninth and final task is recasting the shadow. So as she goes back through the woods towards her house, she has this fiery skull on a stick and she thinks to herself, mm, maybe I should just throw this out. It's, it's a little bit much. Um, but the fiery skull reassures her, don't worry, you got this. When she's thinking about throwing away the fire, that is similar to when we have a knowing of something that we wish we didn't know or that we aren't really ready to do the difficult task of facing this knowing that we have. Whether it's we know that a relationship must end and we are afraid to do the work of ending that or we know that we have to stand up for ourselves or we know we have to quit a job that we don't like. These are all examples of times when the knowing is actually sort of painful. But the fiery skull urges her on and she goes home and ultimately the fiery skull turns its gaze towards the stepmother and stepsisters and burns them to cinders and the story ends abruptly right there. So the most important part of that final task is to learn when to let things die. It's easy to know when to let things live, at least for me, it's like a hell yes and or an excitement or following a curiosity, but it's a little bit harder when you feel a no, especially when you've invested a lot, whether it's a relationship or a friendship or a project or a trip that you're on, when to, when to give up, when to let things die is a really challenging thing. The final quote of the book describes this well. To let things die is the theme at the end of the tale. Vasilisa has learned well. Does she collapse into a fit of high-pitched shrieking as the skull burns into the malicious ones? No. What must die, dies. How does one make such a decision? One knows. La que sabe knows. Ask within for her advice. She is the mother of the ages. Nothing surprises her. She has seen it all. For most women, to let die is not against their natures. It is only against their training. This can be reversed. We all know in Los Ovarios when it is time for life and when it is time for death. We might try to fool ourselves for various reasons, but we know. That part of the chapter always speaks to me because it is so difficult to know when to let things die. And even when you know, it's so difficult to do it. And that leads me to one of the questions I wanted to ask for you guys, and I'll put the questions in the comments below. But an uh, interesting thing to think about if you'd like to share is what is something you knew had to die, but you had a hard time letting it die? And again, that could be, you know, a common one is relationships or friendships. You know, a lot of times it has to do with people because it's really hard it sounds really intense to say, let it die. And really what that could mean is just 
that that friendship transitions or that relationship transitions to a different form. Maybe you're seeing that person less. I've also had it happen on trips where I have this like grand plan and then things kind of fall apart or I want to go to this camping spot and then I get there and there's already people there. And so knowing when to give up and that that's okay for things to not work out. I think in our culture, we have this like tendency to just push and push and push and achieve and not give up. But actually sometimes it's okay to give up. That's what I've been trying to learn at least. And just that feeling of like, yes, it's time for this to die. It's really hard. So I, I'm curious if any of you had this experience before where you have a knowing about something, but it's really hard to do in practice. The other quote I want to share from this last section is one of the most important discriminations we can make in this matter is the difference between things that beckon to us and things that call from our souls. And I love the way she describes this through a metaphor of being at a banquet that has just a buffet of food, tables upon tables of food, and looking around at all the food and kind of picking out what calls your attention and oh, this looks good, this looks yummy, and kind of filling your plate with everything you see. That is similar to what beckons to us. What she's trying to show is that if you were to step back away from the buffet and ask yourself, what do I feel like eating right now? Would you pick something else that isn't even on the buffet? This is just symbolic for really asking first your intuition, what it is that you want, what it is that you crave, what it is that you long for, instead of just picking from what's right in front of you. And this, again, happens a lot with relationships and with friendships and with hobbies. So just really looking within and spending some time in solitude to really hear from your soul, from your intuition, what it is that you really want. And that's my second and last question I have for you. I'm gonna take it right out of the book. She asks, what are you hungry for? What do you long for? What do you crave? What do you desire? What do you yearn for? You get the idea. These are invitations for you to ask, what is it that your soul calls for? Instead of just picking from what's beckoning at you. And I think all of these are really important aspects to strengthening your intuition. And I think if you just follow these nine tasks, the hope is that you'll regain some of this intuition. And I'd love to hear how that goes for you. Um, if you also want to share, just as an additional question, what is your relationship with your intuition or how do you define intuition? It feels like a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on the topic of intuition. So I'd love to open the discussion to what you guys think. And I hope you liked this video. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Embodied Curiosity. I hope you picked up some valuable insights to inspire you to stay curious and embodied.